First question we ask everybody is, when you first got to the league, who was the first person to bust your ass? <laughs> hmm, that's a good question. That's a long time ago, first of all, man. Might need a minute. <laughs> And we got the caveat. We know you gave out a lot of buckets. You, nah, weren't, nah. you wasn't the defensive stopper. Not right away, man. Not right away. <laughs> <laughs> took me a little while to figure that NBA game out. Um, I do remember my first game. I, I came in. I don't know if you guys, when you, when you came in the draft, I don't know if they already had the uh, the rookie scale. Was that in place when you guys came in? Yeah. So that, that wasn't in place in 85. So when we got drafted, we were free. So I didn't go to training camp. And I showed up the sixth game of the season, signed, oh. signed my contract, and played that night. Who you play again? And we played Seattle, and they had Ricky Sobers, Tom Chambers, uh, okay. Al Woods, so a bunch of guys that you know they they were men, you know. And you guys, yeah. you guys came in young. I, I had I had done four years of school and still felt like a a little boy, <laughs> right? Yeah. But as far as getting toasted, you said a cue. That was defense wasn't my thing. <laughs> At the end of the night, you know, I had I had to outscore my man, you know, what I mean? and, yeah. and make it tough for him, you know. And we were playing, you know, especially when Nelly got here, we were playing the way they were playing now. We were trying to, you know, go fast pace, run it up, trying yeah, to run it up. You know, on, on, on given nights, Nelly'd walk in the locker room and say, you know, that team can't score 120. He just write 120 on the board and say, we get that number, we out of here. Yo, 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 we live on location, everybody. Knucklehead season six, full effect. We got the blackest one, and we got a very, 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 very special guest today. Hall of Fame, Dream Team One, one of the best to ever Legend. do it. Straight out of Brooklyn, New York City, we got Golden State's finest. Had a little bit of Indiana, but Golden State slash St. John's finest. We got Chris Mully. Mullen in the building. Appreciate you, OJ. T. Brunson, you're in the building. This the lucky lefty, y'all. Appreciate you, OG. My pleasure to be here, fellas. Brought to you by Thigh Style. This is a special episode because first, you know, they say I ain't go to college, but I'm still a St. John's representative. And, you, you know, you are go first St. John's, John's representative on our show. Stop hating, kids. You are first rep St. John's representative on our show. No, he is not. I'm a St. I committed to St. John's. I'm a St. John's representative. Who's the coach? Listen, Who's the I didn't coach? Say, no, listen. Uh, who's the coach? Yeah. Mike Jarvis. Mike Jarvis, my man. We, I, I got him in my movie once I didn't come. You know, next year he, we did a movie together. Respect. Mike Jarvis was in the movie, coaching, but no, he is not. And, I, said and I think there was an Ed Jordan connection first. there, too, because they were Jordan oh, yeah. at the time. Yeah. All yeah. That. But you just said that he was our first guest from St. John's. We had Ron Ron. Oh, oh, we wow. did have Ron Ron. I forgot. We did have yeah, Ron Ron. That's all I'm right. saying. That's you're all right. I'm you're saying. Right. He I forgot. ain't the voice. I forgot Ron Ron. But he, Ron Ron gave us like 25 minutes because he was in and out real quick. That was a, <laughs> that was a crazy episode. But classic <laughs> Ron Ron mode. Ron Ron gave us a side right. 20 minutes and got on up out of there real quick. <laughs> but we love him. But uh, I know you're a St. John's representative, man. Like, 
few years ago, we seen you and Patrick Ewing coaching your honor models and, and playing against each other. Like, man, all the history, the Big East wars, the careers, the, man, to see your, your, your guy over there coaching his team, you coaching your team. Like, how was that experience for you? Yeah, it was, it was somewhat surreal. Um, you know, puts a timeline and everything, how, how time flies, you know, yeah. we came out. So in that, in that 85 lottery, that was the first year of the lottery. Patrick was the number one pick. Yeah. We, had, we had played uh, in the McDonald's game together. We played against each other in AU. So, you know, we went way back to, to, you know, 1980, 81, played four years of, you know, big time rivalry between St. John's and Georgetown. And Patrick, when I, when I went to St. John's, I think I was there two years. He actually called me. Um, he was thinking he was coaching with maybe Orlando or somebody. He said, you know, how's the college? And I just explained to him the differences of the NBA. Uh, and I didn't know why he was asking. I kind of had a, you know, feeling. But a few weeks later, man, he took the Georgetown job. And as you said, Q, uh, I mean, uh, Darius, when when they came to St. John's, it, it was a big time flashback, man. It really was. Yeah. The, the place was packed. <laughs> you know, our teams weren't that good at that time, but the, but the garden was rocking. Uh, was the energy in it. Yeah, it was, it was cool. <laughs> and then you know, we 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 had fun with them, man. We really did. We had some we had some really good games too against Georgetown. You know, Coach Conasecki was in the stands when Patrick came to the Garden. When yeah. we went, when we went to to play at Georgetown. Uh, Big John Thompson was there. We got to talk before the game and rest in peace to John. He was, you know, just a great, great trailblazer. Um, so it was yes, kind of cool. And, and Patrick and I always talked about, it was funny. You guys probably know this. When you talk to young players, you wind up really passing on the knowledge that was given to you. That's really what it's all yeah. about. There wasn't, a, yeah. there wasn't a day that didn't go by in practice that I didn't find myself saying something that either Coach Karnaseka uh, taught me or Don Nelson you know, Larry Bird, all the guys that I played for, just passing that knowledge on uh, and really trying to, uh, you know, in college, it's a little different in the NBA, trying to guide them as well as making the best they can be. All those kids want to be pros. Most of them will not be. But right. trying to use those, that motivation, inspiration, you know, for work ethic, discipline, um, you know, passion, things that are going to work beyond basketball, you know, later on in their lives. Did you ever see yourself want to be a coach, or at what point did it become like I can coach? I'm, I'm interested in coaching. How did that all come about? Yeah, I don't know how you guys were when you retired. The first thing I wanted to do was get off that schedule of traveling, jumping on planes. Yeah. So I took two years. I took two years off and really just kind of chilled and you know hung at the house. Um, then I went into the front office with the Warriors. I took two years as mm -hmm. kind of a special assistant, learned, learned the front office gig. Um, then I, I, I was lucky enough to get the GM job, did that for like four or five years. Went and did some TV at ESPN, you know, for about three years. Went back to Sacramento. At that point in time, um, it was one of those things in my head. I'm like, I always felt like I could do it. And I found myself analyzing coaches and players. <laughs> right. I'm like, you know, it was something, you know, they, they had approached me several times, St. John's, and I was always like against it. I'm like, no, nah, I'm not going to coach, man. That's not my thing. Um, but then it got to the point where I was like, you know what? If I don't do it, I'm going to regret this. It's always going to be like, what if? So I kind of, mm -hmm. I kind of really was pretty a quick decision. I said, you know what? I'm, I'm going to jump into this. I had, I had, you know, I had started doing a little, 
because I was thinking about getting into assistant coaching the NBA. So I had all my playbooks from, from different teams I was on. I started getting together somewhat my philosophy on what I would do. Mm-hmm. And that, opp- that opportunity was presented to me. I had, a, had done some research on it. So I jumped in. Um, I'm glad I did it. We had a really fun four years. We improved each and every year. And it was just a good experience to find out um, just another side of basketball, you know? Um, yeah. So, I mean, it was a good experience. It was enough for me. Four years was enough. The recruiting was a grind. You know, everyone says that, but when you get into it, that is that listen, you know, the, so the one thing is practices, games, film work, all the basketball stuff. I loved mm-hmm. the other stuff kind of took a little bit of my passion away. You know, it wasn't enough basketball. It was too much other stuff. Yeah, that's 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 my issue with the whole different side of it. Like, uh, I would I couldn't even I would never say never. Right. But I just couldn't see myself going back to college and trying to recruit and chase behind people and do all that. I enjoyed my time in Detroit being on that side of it, being in the front office and, you know, being able to work with players and all of that stuff. But like you said, it's a it's a lot of the other stuff that comes with it that us as players, we just aren't used to. Because we we've always been about the game, playing the game, and, and things that come with that. And a lot of those people, and there's no disrespect to nobody, but a lot of those people that didn't play the game and play at the level we played at, we don't even have some of the same concerns that they have. They they bicker and complain and fight over some of the things that make absolutely not any sense to us. We don't even care. Like we don't care where we sit on the bench. We don't care about any of those things. We just purely like want to be able to be a part of the game, be around it and be, be able to impact the game. But like, I'm with you on that. That, that kind of turns you off on everything when it's that, that other element. Yeah. And, and I don't know if you guys have followed, but it's like, even right now, the way uh, guys are transferring, you know, just overnight, you got to redo your roster. And that's the newest thing. Now that, that, that snuck up on me. I had to ask my, my friend that coaches in college, like, yo, what's going on with this? Like they can now transfer and play immediately. So it's just like open season. Yeah. And then you think about the younger players are the more consistency you need to get any kind of rhythm and chemistry and, and teamwork. So that, that became a little disheartening. So it, I guess, so, you know, I wasn't one of those lifers, you know what I mean? If I was a lifer, like, I'd still be playing if I could play, right? I'd still, like, I love playing. That's You mm-hmm. just playing another day when I talked to you. Yeah, buddy. man, you, you know that. You so, from the floor. Yeah, you was on the court. Yeah, so, like, that that was, that's a love of mine. Like, I love that. Everything else mm-hmm. after that was okay, but it wasn't, it wasn't it. You know what I mean? I would have, you know, like I said, man, that's, so some of the guys that coach forever, that's their passion. That they love that. Yeah. I don't love it like that. Yeah. That who was it that you seen that that started you wanting to play basketball? Who's ones you watched and be like, man, I want to be like that? Who was on Buddy's wall? Who was who's the guys? <laughs> well, it's funny. So initially, so when I was a kid, you know, third, fourth, fifth grade, I was a swimmer. So I was oh, a swimmer. Nice, huh? I, I played baseball, but but so the swim meets were on Sundays, and so were my basketball games. So you know, at first the coach yeah, choose cool. one, huh? Well, yeah, at first the coaches were cool. Like I'd go swim one Sunday, I play ball next Sunday. The basketball coach said, "Man, you need to you need to like make a decision." I'm like fifth grade. I want to do both, but anyway, so that, <laughs> that's how that came. I, I started coach basketball over swimming. Um, my older brother was the first person I watched, but as far as like. 
man, I was one of those guys. I just watched like, so grow up in Brooklyn and New York. And then when, when I was a kid, the Knicks, they had won championships. And my, yeah, my, you my guy was Clyde Frazier, man. He was the coolest. Clyde. Clyde. Yeah, coolest guy on the planet, No now. doubt. And still, <laughs> still, and still is. is. Still is. Still <laughs> is right now, yes. So that, that was a great team to watch. The You know, with uh, Clyde Frazier, Earl Monroe, Bill Bradley, uh, Dave DeBush, and Willis Reed. So that's kind of, that was my introduction to you, you grew NBA. up on the right area of the well, basketball. And there, and, and one thing I loved about their team and the Celtics, ball movement. So so the Knicks mm-hmm. um, mantra at that time was hit the open man. They were just moving that ball and just made it look easy. So that was the first team I followed. Uh, far as players, man, like I said, Walt Frazier. I love Pistol Pete. You know, my read books Pete. on him. John Havlicek, I studied. Havlicek, yeah. Studied Hondo. And then moving forward, like when I was in high school and college, in my generation was Magic and Larry. Those yeah. guys that, you know, kind of yeah. transformed college basketball. That You know, I was like, damn, these guys are, you know. Yeah. So is it true that you picked 17 because of Hondo? Yes, yes. Was 17 because of Havlicek? So my, my, of my high school coach was a big John Havlicek fan. He was always telling me to watch him and study him. Um, yeah, so that was that was I was passed on to me from my high school coach. But yeah, when, when I came to the Warriors, uh, Terry Teagle had 20, so I just slid over to 17. Mm, yeah, for, right. for John Havlicek. Yeah, that's true. Like you say, you from you 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 from Brooklyn, you know what I'm saying? But 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 you played an awful lot in the in the hoods, in the neighborhoods. And for you to be as good as you were at any point that you get just like, hey, he's just a white boy. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, did you get the that, that, whatever it was, just from the doubt or the, the like, once you were killing, what, did you see, like, the disbelief? Like, hold on. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I can't do nothing with this dude because you didn't look like them or whatever, and they didn't think that you should be doing. Did you ever deal with that coming from a place like a, a New York-type environment? Did you ever get, like, looked at or, or called out for like not somebody not thinking you deserved the credit you were getting and then you had to go like show like nah this is this ain't no bull this is legit like I'm, I'm, I'm Hall of Famer for a reason. Nah like yeah like this ain't this ain't no folklore no folktale this ain't you know how it is in high school it wasn't internet and everything so it was like right, when you right. hear about somebody it's like what and then it's like did you ever deal with that when they see you like this is who this is? And you had to, like, afterwards, it's like, yeah, this is who this is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so probably the difference is, like you said, Q, without, without you know, YouTube and all other stuff, it was it was word of mouth. And it only lasted for that game. You had to come back yeah. and, right. and do it again because mm-hmm. not everyone saw you. So you had, every time you stepped out there, it was time to reestablish that you could really play. As far as, yeah, I'm sure it happened. I'm sure it did, but not to where it bothered me. You know what I mean? It didn't, right. it didn't bother me. Um, and, uh, you know, and you guys, I'm sure you, you agree. Like, sports always broke down that, that bullshit, the barriers. Like, can you play or not? You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and then with that. Victory! You know, and with that also is like, you know, I said it earlier. Then you get to know somebody, like really know them, not not just, you know, so if I was up in this in Harlem and I had other game, I wasn't going home. So I'd wind up going to, you know, one of my teammates houses exactly. and see 
how they live, not not just how they played. Meet their mm-hmm. parents. Meet, and then it was different than me, but but I got to know them as people. Yeah, and that yeah. that and it wasn't it wasn't some big deal. And yeah. over time too, we you know we, we played three four years ago. So these guys, those guys I played with, man, I still talk to them. They're my boys, man. They're my teammates, and it, it was a it was a huge advantage and, and a blessing, really, for me to get that education. To me, that was an education. And it opened up my eyes. It it taught me, right? Yeah, this we have some differences, but ultimately we're the same. We're trying to get our games together, try to go to school. And their parents were trying to do what my parents were doing. Get their yeah. kids an education to teach them to be productive citizens. That was the goal. Yeah. And that so to me, I always go back to that. You know, we're in a tough time, right? Race relations and all this, all this bullshit that's going on. I always go back to, you know, traveling on the train, meeting different people, watching, mm-hmm. you know, just observing, you know, in New York to divert and, and you know, and experiencing it, not, not reading about it, not hearing about it, experiencing it. And I think the main thing is knowing, getting to know people yeah. for who they are. Um, I think understanding the differences, but really more importantly, understanding how, how much alike we are. That that's that goes back to, you know, to sports for me, traveling on the train, the subways in New York, mm-hmm. and, and ultimately getting to know people and their families and, you know, what, what their situation yeah. is. They, they might have different situations, but that doesn't mean we're different. We all, yeah. everyone does. Everyone has different situations. So, I mean, to me, that's probably the big, Maybe a bigger blessing than all the things that came playing in the NBA is the, yeah, right. the, the relationship that I have, and I can pass it on to my kids so they can understand yeah. exactly. understand what the world's all about. Yeah, exactly. not be, yeah. be closed mind and, and try and you know make your assumptions and your and your um, decisions on people strictly just because you know, and so. Yeah. You know, that's that's just like one of the blessings. I, I always go back to that, you know, growing up, having, you know, being up in different neighborhoods and but ultimately was getting to know these people as people. That's, yeah. what, that's what basketball did for me, man. Like prior to, to playing basketball, I had never been around like, you know, hanging out with, with, with white kids. I hadn't. That just not in my neighborhood. We were all black community. Like once I started playing basketball, my coach was white. You know what I'm saying? I got introduced to the first white people that I was around and stuff like that. That was like, and it was culturing for me. You know what I'm saying? That that got me cultured. That got me like you, a lot of the same exact things you just said. That stripped down any type of thing because we had we were gonna be around each other. So it just allowed me that visual to see. Hey man, he he just like me. He just you know whatever. His parents just like mine. They trying to make sure that he's gonna be okay. He's gonna have a good. Go ahead. (laughs) Dog going ham. I thought that was your dog at first, Black. And then I was See, like, no, nah, your dog. That's my dog. You, you hear oh, it pa- was your dog. Yeah, I was. I paused and you, you I don't know, you hear me like this. I'm like. No, you yeah. muted it. I yeah, heard I, I muted it like I'm hollering at the dog. <laughs> yeah, I out the blue it. just started barking. <laughs> they might have heard each other. Yeah, that's what. <laughs> they might have heard each other. That's my Akita. Yeah. Oh, okay. oh, you got one of them big ass dogs. Yeah, so no, sir. 
Just as we're talking, hey, Picky just texted me. So that, that's that's my boy. Oh, that's right Hey, listen, this is what I wanted to say, though. You said one of the things, like, when I said victory, like, the reason why I said it, because you, you said something that, to me, that the it's the entire population of the NBA world that missed. Like, I worked in the front office just like you. I You know, I wasn't in that same high position as you, but I feel like what you just said should be uniform across the board. Like, when you look at how we scout players and how we look at players and do all of this evaluating the players, like – the first question that should be asked and answered before we do any other evaluations is, can he play? You said it. Either can he either can play or he can't. The thing that frustrated me the most about being in the front office, Mully, is like, why are we wasting all of this time on a kid that really can't play? Like, we we going, we going over all of these back and forths, but... He ain't really fit the bill. Like, we, we arguing 15, 20, 30 minutes or however long on this one guy who... At the end of the day, we arguing over things that, like, okay, you could talk about those things, but the bigger thing is, like, he don't fit the bill, what we talking about, so why are we even doing this? And it just became, it, it was like, it was redundant to me, like, why are we doing this? I found myself just being frustrated with the whole, the whole conversation of it, like, bro, we sitting here talking about, I'm not going to call nobody or try and do that, but, like, we talking about player X, and it's like, why? <laughs> like, why? Or... Why am I doing a, a damn, like, Mully, feel me? I'm a scout, right? I'm, that, I did two years as a director of player development, two years as a scout. Now I'm a, head, I'm a scout, a pro scout. I have to do a scouting report on LeBron James? Steph Curry? Carmelo? Dirk? This was before Dirk. Dirk is in his last year. I got to do a scouting report on Dirk? First of all, you have zero, you have... I don't even know what less than zero, but you have that chance of getting him. <laughs> Why we scouting him, I don't know, but okay, cool. You think if we have a chance to get LeBron, Steph, any of these guys, they're going to refer to Q's scouting report from January 17th of 2000, whatever, just a random game. That's going to make or break whether we pick. Come on, bro. That was what I couldn't do with the job. It was like, none of this makes sense to me. Like, he can't hoop. Why are we talking about him? He can. Let's talk about him. Like, you know what I'm saying? But it's like, I feel like the analytics people and a lot of the people that don't play, they don't see it as simple as we do. Because with us, it's just either he can hoop or he can't. If he can, then we'll we'll get into this dialect with you. But if he can't hoop, I don't want to talk about it. And I'm going to get aggravated from talking about it because he can't hoop. Yeah, sometimes we, we over uh, analyze and overcomplicate things, right? So Especially now, like you said, with analytics and technology, you know, a lot, a lot of those things they want on record for later on and things like that. <laughs> yeah. You know, we used to, you know, back when, when I was actually first started, we used to bring a pad and pen, you know, it would be like, like old school sky report. You know, he, he can shoot it. You know, he needs to work on his left hand like that. But like you said, the, those top guys, I mean, it's clear as day. You can watch one minute and know they're pros, right? And then <laughs> it's just who you like better. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah. He, you know, like Dirk, you know what I mean? Dirk, Dirk got overanalyzed, I thought, coming in. Like, you know, is he European? What's he going to be? You know, but I, I think over time, though, the way the game's played now, there's, there's less concern about position and just straight. I was just like, we were on last night with the Warrior game in the NFL draft. We did, you know, did a few hits on the NFL draft. I said, because the Niners were picking third. I said, third, yeah, third. You're picking talent, dude. Never mind all the other stuff. You need talent. And it's funny, there was a lot of 
uh, speculated they were going to pick Mac Jones. Mac Jones, yeah. Trey Lance has the higher ceiling. That's, yeah. you know, the, the, the lower you pick, you know, you might get a little more detail on the, uh, on the yeah. tangibles. But when you're up top there, man, it's straight talent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, start bench cut. Right, you got to start one, you got to bench one, you got to cut one. I'm going to go a small forward in the 70s, small forward in the 80s, small forward in the 90s. Uh, I go Dr. J, Larry Bird, and Scottie Pippen. Who you start, who you cut, Damn. who you bench. <laughs> <laughs> he, this is what he do every time with these questions. Uh, Same players all the time. <laughs> no, it's nah, a different player. Just, it's a it's on the player. It be, it, it's always something that you can't, you know what I'm saying? It ain't easy. <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> I mean, I, Bird, Pippen, Doc. Oh, okay. okay. I like it. All right. I understand. I'm, I'm going to be I decisive. I might not be right, but I'm going to be decisive. All right. I like, I, I, I like it. I, I'm definitely, I probably would have went that way. <laughs> Tell me this, like you said. By, by about- the way, Doc paved the way for Bird, and Bird paved the way for Pippen. Paved the way for Man. Yeah. Oh, the yeah, game. yeah. Oh, Doc, yo, you want to pull up some Dr. J in the ABA? Check that out. Oh, yeah, yeah nah, trust me. Check that Dr. out. Dr. Man. You talked about it earlier when you said that you, you came in, your draft was the first ever NBA lottery. So that was like a, a game-changing type draft. How was that for you? And you said you was the first guard, like, wing player taken out of all of those centers. But, like, when all of that came up for you being, you know, you went four years, you you all everything at St. John's at this point, you know what I'm saying, averaging crazy, and you been hooping. So you knowing that you about to be part of this, how was that for you when they announced this draft lottery? Like, did you know what it was? Did you know this? How Just take me back to that time and you're thinking, like, what what's going on and hearing all of this stuff about that? Yes, yeah, so you got to, uh, you know, go back to 19... 19- 81, 2, 3, 4, like 85. At that point in time, college basketball was more popular than NBA basketball. Yeah, right. So it wasn't necessarily a step up. That's crazy to hear. That's so, crazy. I mean, we, we played our games at the Garden, mm-hmm. St. John's. we play an afternoon game. We'd have 19,500. The Knicks would come back and play at night. They'd have 7,000. Oh, wow. I had it so, like that. in a way, at that point in time, and, and David Stern did an amazing job transforming that, right? Changing the league and, and, and you know, selling it and, and popular, popularizing, global, globalizing it. But sitting there, and we all say it's a business, right? But that's the first time where you got no control. Like, there's a, there's a ping pong ball, an envelope that's dictating right. your... I'm like sitting there going, one, two. And at that point... There was only seven, seven teams were in the lottery. So I wanted to be in seven. I, I was the last pick right. in the lottery. Wow. And so that, 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 you know, that's an eye opener. You sit, I'm sitting home. Like you said, I had four great years. I'm from New York. Why do I want to leave? I don't want to leave. But that pick of the envelope, you're gone, dude. Bye. Right. So, right. you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a introduction into the business world. And, you know, it wasn't an easy transition for me. Um, but it's funny how 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 the league has grown and like you, like when you guys were coming up, you couldn't wait to get to the league. Yeah, couldn't wait to go to the draft and right? get all that experience I, that we I watching was, every I was, year. I was more like, man, I got a good right here. Why? I'm trying right. to get another year of school. So, 
<laughs> you know, playing at Sold Out Garden, my first game at Oakland Coliseum, there was like 4,000 people there. I'm like, I downgraded, man. Wow. <laughs> That's that's a different aspect, like to see it through that lens. Like, yo, I just went from nineteen thousand a game at the garden, and now I'm out here, and it's like four thousand people showing up to see us, and yeah. we're supposed to be pros. Yeah. Speaking 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 of that, talk about how big the Big East was back then, from Providence to big Georgetown. That was the, to the, that was the premier John, conference. Like, like just just big on just how big and how how the Big East changed basketball, uh, college basketball, and really how the Big East uh, formed for the leagues to come out. Cause a lot of the guys was coming out the Big East, yeah. And every team in the Big East was ready to go. That was, every team in the Big East, y'all was seeing each other in the tourney. <laughs> it was an amazing, quick transformation. Um, I think it started in '79. I think it was the first Big East. Uh, season but dave gavin had coached at providence and then he was getting into more of a you know manager type situation and he had this he had this he had this thought this dream to put this east east coast they had an ecac and you kind of made your own schedule so all the coaches felt comfortable on their own they could book their own games get 20 wins get in a tournament so the coaches i think initially were were against it you know because now all of a sudden you're going to play twice you know, home and away against these great teams. Uh, but so anyway, they formed the Big East. And when I was coming out of school, it wasn't, that wasn't a big draw to me. It wasn't, it wasn't really there yet. Um, but what it did, it kept guys in their kind of home cities. And so it kind of organically built a fan base, you know, because you stayed mm-hmm. home and people identified with you. They kind of followed your career. Um you know, Patrick left Boston, but he went to D.C. Ed Pickney went, to, he was from New York, went to Villanova. And we all recruited each other. We all mm. we recruited by the same schools for the most part. I was recruited by Villanova and Syracuse. And, mm-hmm. you know, Pearl Washington went to Syracuse. And so all of a sudden, we got these marquee players staying home, not, not going to the ACC, not going out to California to play in the Pac. I guess back then it was probably a Pac-8, Pac-10 but they were able to keep players home and they had marquee coaches, John Thompson, Luke Karnasekka, Jim Boeheim, Rolly Mm -hmm. Maximino. So, you know, fast forward five or six years later, there's three Big East teams in the final four, Mm -hmm. you know, so, and and the, 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 just shows you too, you know, the, the power of TV. So they were the first conference to get a deal with ESPN. ESPN was just starting. They needed, they needed to hitch their wagon to something too. Yeah. ESPN and the Big East, they grew together. Mm-hmm. And then we had uh, Big Monday that was on. We big played, Monday, every big, Monday is going big down Monday. every Monday. <laughs> there's a good, there's a good, uh, it's called the Requiem of the Big East. It's a good documentary. It's a few PC series. But that Big Monday catapulted the Big East into national stardom. You know, not just the players and the coaches, the, the conference itself. To where when I came out to Oakland in 1985, all these kids knew me already. I was shocked because they were rushing home from school at four o'clock. It was 7 p.m. East Coast. They were getting that game after school. So that that you know the, the TV contract exploded the Big East. Um, yeah, so Villanova with Pickney and, and Dwayne McLean and Georgetown was a beast, dude. They were nasty. Mm-hmm. We we talked about Patrick earlier, but they they had pros, man. You know, on, on a given night, you know, St. John's versus Georgetown, 
you had Sleepy Floyd, six, seven, eight first round picks. Mm-hmm. You know, and they were battles, man. They were battles, and, and they were it was a really legit rivalries. Like there was there was borderline hatred there. Ultimate respect, though. Ultimate respect, mm-hmm. but no, you know, shaking hands and hugging and all that. It was it was more yeah. go play your right. game. And get your ass out of there, man. We'll see you. You got to come to our place next. Like, we'll see you in a few months, man. That's it. This era, you know, all the kids are playing 2K. But back in our era, we started off with NBA Live. And when I played NBA Live, I played with the Golden State Warriors (laughs) every single time. Because y'all had three guys on the perimeter that was hitting all the (laughs) three-pointers back in the day. So, like, Golden State Warriors, like, Nelly, you had George Carl at first. And you know, Nelly sped it up. What was about Nelly that that fit the pedigree of y'all team? Yeah, you guys look back and, and you know the history of the game. Nelly obviously has the all-time most wins in NBA history. So there, there's a genius there. There's a you know forward thinking. Uh, I always wanted to play with him. Trailblazer. <laughs> so it's funny, mm-hmm. D. D. Miles, you say that. So for a few years, when when Mitch Tim and I were playing. Basically, every game, someone was coming up, you know, with the opponent. Yo, man, tell Nelly, man, I want to come over here and play. Because we were, we were playing a different style. Straight up. Uh, we, were, we were running, gunning, and we were having fun, dude. So, that, so, you know, you hear a lot of talk about culture, right? So, culture, you know, it's, that's like one of those catch where we got good culture. Culture, to me, is having the right group of people together that are, that are pulling for each other. They trust each other, respect each other. Um, and you're working really hard, but you're not looking at the clock because you're having fun. You're trying to get there early. Right. You're trying to stay late. Yeah. You can't get enough of it. So the, Mitch, Tim, and I had a, had a tremendous uh, bond. You know, I think first and foremost, our talents meshed well. Like, I needed Mitch and Tim. Yeah. And Mitch and Tim needed me. So there was a there was, uh, from our talent standpoint, it was a very good fit. We are very different personalities, which was good. You know, and you guys had Tim on. You know, Tim, man, he's gonna he's gonna bring it. Man. Mm, tell you straight yeah. up, Chicago that time. Chicago style, right? That time, <laughs> these country boys, nothing. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> he's gonna call like it is, and and just and by the way, love all of us just love to play. So when I was telling someone mm-hmm. last night, I saw Junior had forty two. I was texting with Tim last night, and he was there. Yeah, yeah. So I was texting with Tim, and then I, I was telling someone when we drafted Tim, he landed. And me and Mitch were, you know, there to meet him. He got off the plane like, yo, let's go hoop. He's like, <laughs> skip, skip the press guy. I want to go play ball, man. I want to play with you guys. So love of the game, uh, work ethic, competitor. We all had that, man. So that, that our bond was basketball. That, that's what brought us together. Um, and it's funny. We only played two seasons together, believe it or not. Yeah, that's the crazy yeah. part that's about crazy y'all. That it, y'all supposed to have a way the longer capsule together yeah, in two seasons. Like, but, but it was beautiful for y'all to be as big as y'all are to play that short of a time. Let's really know how 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 y'all was putting it down. Yeah. So how long did you guys play together? Two years. So two so years. think about that. <laughs> so that's our, think about the power of sports and for us basketball. Yeah. How how so many years later you guys are tight like brothers. Yeah, Mitch, Tim, and I like that. And actually, I didn't even know that till I think when I was going to the Hall of Fame, we all sat down and did an interview. And someone said, "You guys only played." Two. I'm like, two years? What? These guys, <laughs> these guys are my brothers, man. You know what I mean? 
but that's the power of sports. And, you know, and to me, not, yeah, the wins and losses, yes, but the plane rides, the bus rides, and the off season. Mm-hmm. We spent a lot of time yeah. in the off season in just sweaty high school gyms and just getting after it. And we made, each other, how, and we made each other better. You know, we pushed each other. We talked a lot of junk. But at the end of the day, man, we were making each other better. We talk about how nicknames come about, right? Mm-hmm. So for you, Tim, and Mitch to get Run TMC, which is one, I mean, y'all known out of New one York, of the, one of the Boy, dopest of threesomes, York. one of the dopest, you know what I'm saying, threesomes ever. ever. And, and not only that, like, not only was y'all cold, like, y'all did something that wasn't really seen before. Like, three of y'all wing players all averaging a dub plus on the same team. Like, how was that when y'all came together as a as a trio and, like, when y'all got a nickname and when y'all really took the league by storm, how was that for y'all in that real time? How was y'all looking around like, man, this is, like, crazy? Because usually when you get three guys like you guys that are all wings, somewhere along the line there's some disconnect. Like, I need the ball or I want the ball or whatever. So, But for y'all, it was like the perfect marriage. Everybody was in, in sync and everything was great. How was that for y'all? Yeah, I think it was... Um... First of all, our, our talents fit, you know, they mesh well together. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, Tim playing with the ball, dynamic, you know, ball handler, can run incredible pick and rolls, love to throw a ball ahead on the fast break, you know, got into the paint anytime he wanted to to collapse the defense. I mean, he, he was mm-hmm. an incredible player for his, you know, just, just a big time player. Killer crossover. <laughs> Killer crossover, no doubt. <laughs> and tough as nails. Mitch, you know, inside out, great defender, and then the style of play, having Nelly put it all together. Um, Nelly really emphasized moving the ball. You know, we were able, you said, cute, we all scored over 20. We all got our shots because playing fast, moving the ball, that's that you have to generate more possessions to, to yeah. get those shots up. So commitment to fitness, right? Being able to, you know, maintain your conditioning. The, the nickname's funny, man. We did that pretty much as a joke with, with the season ticket holders. And it's amazing. It's you know, a day like after Pat, we're like, come on, man, we don't want to do this. This is some bullshit. And now, 30-something years later, it's stuck. Right. So, yeah. so, so that, that little dumbass thing we did after practice was actually pretty important. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When you first heard it, did you did you love it right away? Like, oh, no, that's it. Well, I, I did, because I, you know. Especially run, with you being run, in yeah, New York yeah. and run, yeah. On DMC, they're, they're Queens guys, man. I tell you, uh, Darren McDaniel went to St. John. I was all in on that, right. you know. Exactly, okay, yeah. So, yeah, it's funny how it stuck, man. It's, it's pretty amazing. Speaking of uh, Miss Richmond, like, these folks really need to know Rock. how Miss Richmond used to put it down Rock. and how deadly and an animal Miss Richmond was. Just can you speak on Miss Richmond and just how good he was? Yeah. I used to have to guard. Yeah. <laughs> you ain't had to guard him. So, I had to guard. So the strong ass. At, at the time Mitch played, he was top two, three, two-way players in the league. And mm-hmm. you guys, you know, you're from Chicago, you know the deal, Derek. Michael Jordan said that. I don't got to say that. Yeah. Michael Jordan said that. That was Michael's toughest opponent. Um, he said. And Mitch, Mitch just has a laid-back, easy laid personality. Yeah. That's why his name's not out there. He's not into that. Um, but you talk about powerful, strong, inside-out, in the post, guard the other team's best, guard the other team's best score, whether he's one, two, three, or four. Um, 
Mitch, Mitch grew up a football player, so he had a rugged style, and he was strong as anything. And then he always strong. added to his game. You know, he came yeah. as a post-up guy, you know, mid-range shooter, went out to the three-point line. Um, I mean, he, he was just – I mean, he's in the Hall of Fame, dude, for a reason. But some yeah, stuff well. he did, he came in, was rookie of the year, number five pick, rookie of the year. I think he averaged 20. The next eight seasons from 20, his scoring went up. <laughs> so he set the, bar, set the bar high and just kept rising his game. Yeah, that's um, sick. Yeah, so he's, uh, I mean, an amazing player. Uh, you know, that's, that's my guys, man. That's my brothers. Yeah, so, you man, know, like I said, guy, I, I, thought, I, I thought you guys only played a short time together, but yeah. I mean, let me say so I don't forget. I'm really proud of you guys. I know you guys got this, you know, knucklehead podcast. <laughs> no uh, doubt. But you, you, trail, you, you know, showing the younger generation how to transition. Yeah. yeah. Transition from, from being great players you know, into the business world. So I'm, I'm happy for you, man. Keep up the good work. Yeah. Oh, I mean, you. I think I appreciate it, OJ. I think that's one of the coolest things about this. Like, we were doing what you just said inadvertently. Like, obviously, you know what I'm saying? We we showing a different way and all that. But I think it's, 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 it's more of a testament to who we were. Like, as much players as we were, as, as, as person, as people we were. Because this whole situation and everything we doing, us being able to talk to you, like, even if we were cool and we did whatever, we create this podcast, I feel like the reason that we're able to get the guests that we're able to get and get guys like you to really sit down is because we were good dudes. We weren't assholes. We respected the game. We played the right way. You know, we did our, we were young and we were brash and all of that. We came in, but like, to a man, we respected the hell out of all of y'all. We looked up to y'all and like, whenever, whenever we played against y'all, we were going to play hard as shit, but like, we was like, oh my God, it's, it's such and such. We were super fans and super hyped. And I think the way we treated everybody and the way we were with everybody, I think that's why we get that type of respect and that response. And that's for me, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you say, to hear you say, like, we showing the young guys this, that, and third, like, that'd be, like, cherry on top for anything we get from doing these podcasts. Like, I get yeah. to get off and tell my pops, like, yo, pops, my pops' favorite team right now is the Warriors. <laughs> he watch, he, lo he loves Steph Curry. Steph Curry can do no wrong. So, like, he see, like, he just got to see, oh, man, I didn't know that D-Wright, because, like, you know, I do the same thing that y'all do for right. Orlando. He said, like, he watching the game. He said, I seen D Durrell doing I didn't know he was, I said, yeah, I mean, he, was, he, he up there with Chris Munn. I'm like, yeah. And so, like, the, to be able to have Chris Munn, I get to get off here and say, hey, Pops, I talked to Chris Munn on the day. You know what I'm saying? Like, my Pops going to be hype. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, like, this is, you know, man, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful fraternity that we're part of. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And then, yep. You know, whatever years you know, I played, sixteen years. But when I came in, some of those guys had already played fifteen years. So that goes back and forward. Mm -hmm. And the you know, Tim being a Chicago guy, Darius, I watched you mm -hmm. come through. You almost went to St. John. There's always a connection, right? Yeah. So we're we're used to getting scout reports before the game. He can't go left. He can't shoot. Yeah. We also over our careers. We establish a scan report of who we are as people. And you mm -hmm. guys, and, and Q, I thought you said it right. You guys came in as young players, uh, passionate, uh, alley-oop dunking, all the athleticism, <laughs> and, and started changing the NBA, the, the way the NBA was um, yeah. being played because of your athleticism and your youth. But all along the way, you guys did it the right way. Right? Yeah. You always had that um, sense of history. And, yeah. and I felt like you guys 
that passion was, I, I loved it. I love when young players come in and, and they want to do better. It's what it's all about. Yeah. Where the game yeah, is, yeah. Take, it, take it a step further. Um, I, I want to ask you a question about young players. And <laughs> I'll tell my homeboy, I'll go ask you this. He told me not to, but I just got to. <laughs> when Vince Carter first got to the league, I think y'all played a preseason. Indiana. Mm-hmm. And he, he got the ball on the wing. You step out. He swung through baseline and he like reverse dunk crazy. And I remember just seeing your face Ew. like, and just you just ran back. Do you remember that play? Of course you I tell do. us about that play. Like, the, of course like I do. when you seen that, you was like, Yeah, it's about time for me to get on the bottom here for in a minute. <laughs> um, that was the game that changed. <laughs> the game, <laughs> the game but. I mean, he he was a phenomenal athlete, incredible player, great guy. But I've seen that clip several times. When they show his dunks, that's one of them. <laughs> from, from a coaching standpoint, I didn't give him middle. No, <laughs> no, nah, nah, you cut out the middle. <laughs> you definitely... <laughs> I sent them baseline, and he just went over the top of the basket. Let me give you, look, from a realistic standpoint, I don't give a damn how old you were or what was going on in your period of time in that life. Like, we ain't seen nobody else recreate a highlight <laughs> like that, period. Yeah. Like, that was a one-of-one one and one-and-done, none seen. You ain't never seen that dunk again. In-game, you have, come on, bro. He went up like he was going to dunk it regular on this side, then came all the way up and, I ain't going to say wiped his entire ass. He wiped his entire ass at the end. Yeah, yeah. That, that was like an updated version of Dominique. Yeah, bro. Like, yes, and we haven't seen were. that dunk, so yeah. like it didn't even matter. Like he, that was just that was half man, half man. You know, it was funny too that that, that, that pace the team I was on. We were, we were an older group, and I'm I'm that sure was a team. I'm sure that we was won a that hell game. of a team. I'm sure we won that game, but we went yeah, yeah. exactly. I you know the first time I felt like that um, was when I played against Kevin Garnett. And he like was, it might I, be time. No, 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 no. I was still young. He, I was that was probably ninety. I would he come in 10 years in the league. I had a few more years left. But but you his size level of athleticism. His, his size, his length. I remember playing uh the first half. He's play, he came in as a three, as a three. So I was playing three. I'm asked something like, yo, dude, this, this guy's ridiculously long. You know, he was young. I was able to head fake. But so for I remember at halftime, I told Rod Higgins. I said, dude, I think that dude grew between the first and the second quarter. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, he's like seven three now, man. I, I I wanted to ask you about swag. I used to always love your swag, the way the way you was on the court. But one of the things I used to love about you, Brooklyn, New York, B. was the the high top. With the fade on the side, like Brooklyn, New York. What made you stick with the high top? Like I knew Mullen from everywhere. He had a high (laughs) top with the fade on the side. Like I'm gonna say what he want to say. He become your favorite haircut. I'm gonna say what he want to say, Mullen. You look like you get your haircut when we get our haircut. Yeah, the white guy with the high top. That's what resonated with us. That's what resonated (laughs) with us. Like, hold on, wait a minute. So first thing that stood out. If you if you next time you're in New York, okay. Um, it's in Jamaica, Queens. That's where I got my first. It's called Cuddy. Southside. Hey, Chris Cuddy. Bernard going crazy right now. He from Southside, Jamaica, Queens. He going crazy in the it's, background. He know, it's called Cuddy's, and my man Freddie will hook you up. 
Oh, okay. All okay, right, he's ready. We got to make a coin. I don't got no more hair, but if you could do the pieces, I get you right. And but hey, and he's been there since 1984. So when I was in school, he opened up a shop. He's still there. That's 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 what that came. That's what's up. Shout out, Fred. And and the BK. Yeah. And I got a little left, not much, but you know, I still kind of, you know, clean up a little bit for Man, TV. You're killing both of us. Look, to my face now. Like, <laughs> move to my face now. The, the, the well, we had a lot of guys on here, and they was uh, and a lot of guys was from the Dream Team Two, and a lot of guys saying Dream Team Two will kick Dream Team One ass. And I don't believe them. I don't want you to think that I believe them. Now, I'm, I'm definitely Dream Team One. You, you originators. I had to be but, respectful. Tell, tell us about that. Like, you think that Dream Team Two had a chance to beat Dream Team One? Uh, first, you got to tell me who was on Dream Team Two. Uh, Derek he, Coleman. He don't even remember. Wait, Shaq. hold on. He, he don't even know. He like it was he Derek Coleman, Shaq, uh, LJ, Steve Smith, Gary Payton. Z. Kevin Johnson, Jason Kidd, uh, who else? That's a hell of a team. It's a hell of a team. But but no. Uh, Alonzo Mourn, I think, was on their team, right? Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, they had Let some hitters. Let me tell you, though. Let me just tell Reggie you, man. Like, we didn't have LJ. We didn't have DC. Uh, who else? Shaq. Zoe. Shaq Zoe. They all feel like it would have been nothing. No, who was the one that been? Who said was Shaq was the difference. <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, it's, it's it's always hard to compare generations, but the the one thing that's for sure is there's only one dream team, right? There's only one time you can do it as an original, right? That was the first time. So historically, I played in '84 with Michael Patrick. We had a heck. Of, look up that team. That was a right. heck of a team. I remember the last yes. the last amateur team that we gold, team. Yeah. gold medal. Um, 88, Sharunas and Sabonis beat us, and then they'd opened up to pro. So it was a whole, you know, it was groundbreaking. First time to ever happen. Um, but come on, man. We're not we're not gonna give that up. There ain't no way. No. <laughs> but I like it. Tell, tell us more about the experience though, because I know y'all was like the biggest thing in life that you're like just seeing the the old footage of it, seeing the crowd standing outside the hotel, like the how the world moved with y'all that whole tour. And uh, just just tell us about it and tell us about them, them college kids coming in there and getting that little one game and then y'all beat the shit out of them for the next week. Like, <laughs> Yeah, so I think for, for all of us, the fact that it was the first time everyone was getting in, no one knew what to expect. Yeah. Get the call, man. I was elated. Man. I was like, yeah, I'm in. Because I know so, so yeah, the, that's like... so, some of the guys, you know, eh, who else is playing? I'm like, I'm, I'm in. I'm playing anyway. I'm gone. I'll be playing basketball <laughs> anyway in the summer. Yeah. So then when they when they announced the team, I'm like, yo, this is gonna be insane, dude. This is this <laughs> these are the legends, man. That's what I'm saying. You know, yeah, he's gonna kick some ass. Michael, Michael and his, Michael and Scotty in their prime, you know, Magic and Larry, just icons already of the league. Um, Chuck Daly coaching. It was just just an incredible group of people. Barkley Malone. Yeah, John Stockton, um, just you know, Stockton. up and up and down. Patrick David, you talk about, you know. Just some of the greatest plays of all time. So at that point, though, did you realize that it was about to be what it was about to be? And it was, you know, this was going to be like one of the, they call it the best team ever assembled. You know what I'm saying? Like, did you know prior to that, like when you got the phone call, like what? how was it when you really got to start realizing, like, like, tell me about, okay, I remember watching the documentary. 
How was it when y'all get to Barcelona and y'all bus can't even move? It's literally just thousands upon that. How was that feeling to be on that bus looking out at that? It was, it was almost comical. And it was, it was a, it was a steady buildup, steady progression. Right. So we had a, since we lost in 88, we had a qualify to go to Barcelona. So we had to play a tournament in Portland. And that was, right. that was a good crowd there. And I remember that we practiced a, a week in San Diego and we went to Portland and, you know, dusted up those guys and played well. And we had two weeks off before we flew to Barcelona. Uh, we flew to Monaco, actually, to, to, to train again. But by the time we got to Barcelona, this, this you know, media machine had picked up. And it was just, just amazing. The hotel, there'd be people out there all night long. I mean, it was incredible. So I think we played eight games in Barcelona. So each game, there was more people and more more security to where the gold medal game we left the hotel and we had you know motorcycles and and motorcade we had helicopters above us Mm. they had closed the highway and on the highway they were pulling people to the side of the road our bus went past the team we were playing they got pulled over we went past them (laughs) 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 so they had no chance anyway but that that was just uh insult to injury man yeah that's right and you you got you know look michael was at the you know at the prime of his career um and it was it was amazing to watch like this of course we knew how great he was of course but he became this global icon like right before your eyes the big banner in barcelona and yeah the big yeah well, yeah that was crazy and you know I, I had played with michael in 84 um you know we played you know i we came out of high school together so i saw a lot of things but his, his the level of play and his um you guys know legendary uh stories about michael i mean he was playing golf all day and just coming to those <laughs> games and dominating and the one that sticks out is when we played Ku Coach. He and Scotty. Just- yeah, tell me about that. Cause like we saw the we saw the last last dance documentary and like to just hear and see how they were talking about it and how the other guys how I said to hear Barkley and some of those guys say I, I felt bad for Ku Coach going into that game. Like <laughs> tell me what that was like. Like I, and you know, we all players, we know how it is when somebody like, yeah, you're not. <laughs> Trust me, we about to handle this. Like so, like tell me what that was like, and then to just see it play out. Well, you know, at that point in time, not only were they two of the, you know, Michael obviously the greatest player in in the league, right. but they were the best defensive players by far. Exactly. You know, that's what people don't really give my man MJ the credit for. He was a goon out there and on they, the and other they, side. And they could, he and Scotty, they could pick up ninety four feet and guard the ball handler. They would chase you off screens. They could play. They could do everything. So that game, it was just a different vibe. And I, I, you know, watching Doc, I didn't know the whole background to that. I really didn't. Right. I know the whole uh, recruitment of Tony Kukoc, but mm-hmm. there was a, there was a different focus and a different energy in the locker room because we weren't practicing. We weren't doing intense scout reports. We just make sure we right. played our game. We did want to set a high center on how we played. You know, we didn't, we didn't want to just win. We wanted to win the right way and play team basketball. But that night, they were, like, fighting over who got him. Like, no, I got him. <laughs> <laughs> That's some bull. And, I mean. He, he probably ain't never faced that before. He nah, never faced nobody playing him like that before. Not that, in his life. not that length, strength, 
quickness and intensity. Have you, Scotty? I mean, it was like he was playing a boxing one, but he wasn't. He was not touching the ball. <laughs> and to where that first game, Tony was like, "All right, man, if you want me out, I'm out. I'm done." Like, right? Like basically, just yeah. I mean, that that was the vibe I got when you, because you know, you could see the contrast of all of y'all talking about what they're gonna do and how they're gonna do it. Then you hear, you see Tony, like he, like I, I didn't even know what was going on. Yeah. I'm just out here to play. I'm excited to play these guys. And then it's like, oh, is this type of situation. So you think about it, you know, you got Michael leading the league in scoring, but being able to do that on a defensive end. That, that's why he's the GOAT, you know what I mean? Yeah. Hey, hold up, D-Man, before you go further. You heard what he just said? <laughs> you heard what he just said, man. <laughs> that he was doing one thing on one end and he could do it at the same level on the other end. And that's what makes him the what? The GOAT, man. Man, this is a GOAT calling him the GOAT. This is a GOAT calling him the GOAT, man. I ain't gonna keep having these conversations with these kids, Mully. Like, I'm, I'm tired of it, man. I'm sick and tired of it. I'm tired of it. <laughs> like, who who taught you the game? Because your IQ is, is, is great. No, you're not the most athletic, but you did everything everybody else did. You played the game the right way. You, your IQ level was above a lot. Like, you beat a lot of cats off IQ alone. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But who taught you the game to to manipulate the game the way you used to manipulate the game? Yeah, I, And I, also, you kind of you kind of a rarity as far as, like, a New Yorker who had the, the real ratchet, who was known yeah. for the, just the super ignorant stroke like you had. Like, use, you know, New Yorkers, I was known for the ball handle, getting to the cup and stuff like that. Like, I felt like you... From my memory, was like the one of the one of the guys that was like, okay, he's a he could shoot the hell out of the ball. Well, as Darius said, if you if you're not athletic, you better be able to shoot the ball to you know as you know <laughs> when you can shoot, you you gain a step, right? If they yeah. get a ball, you all of a sudden you might be slow, but if they got to get a ball, you now you got them. Right. Um, now I, I I was fortunate to have incredible coaches at a young age, fourth fifth grade. A guy named Jack Alisi was my was my grade school coach. And was the first guy to introduce me to like skill development, working on my mm. working on my right hand dribbling, working on my right hand layups, and we would just progress from there. Going to the gym by myself, so so that I was introduced to that. That was taught to me. I didn't know about that. Um, through grade school and high school, my, my freshman year, I was a point guard. My my first year, I was five nine, five mm. ten as a sophomore. I grew later, mm. but another blessing was I was by the time I was a junior, I was six four, six five. My coach. Kept me in the backcourt though. I had I had mm. grown up as a guard, and when wow. I grew, I was the tallest guy. But he, he let me play guard, so, so that was that was an advantage for me. Um, and at St. John's, Coach Carnesecca had coaching the ABA, so he, he played an NBA style. Uh, and he was always, you know, if we if we put in offense or defense, he would always explain not only what we were doing, why we were doing it, why we were doing where it, it came from. He was very yeah. into like what we was trying to achieve out of it. Uh, yeah, so yeah. you know, I had great coaches. That, that's where that came from. And I do think too, you know, you guys are athletic, so you, you see the game a little differently. You know what I mean? Yeah. As a slower kind of playing under the rim, that's just how I saw the game. You know, getting yeah. open off screens. You know, using my teammates to get open as opposed to just yeah. the ball in ISO. You know, yeah, little things you just pick up. And as far as um. You know, New York guys, you know, Q, you said it, they're known for their handles and dynamic shot making. A lot of that comes from 
that doesn't happen anymore. But once April came or May, we never was in the gym. We were in the park. We played outside. Right. All, all the summer right. leagues were outside. Um, so some days it's windy. Sometimes you – so seriously, guys, you know, there's no nets on the rims, and you're just driving the ball trying to get that thing in. I think that had a lot to do with it. Um, but the combination of both, being well-coached and skill development – and then when I was in, I went to school in Manhattan uh, as a freshman. That's when I was introduced. I, I started playing for this Riverside Church, which is up in Harlem. Riverside. So I had uh -huh. the combination of, you know, kind of skill development and, you know, fundamentally sound. And once I got to play in the inner city, I kind of put those two together. Um, and that's where my, my big time love. I love going up and playing in the, in the packed parks, man, and going up there with, you know, some some speculation like who's this dude walking in the in the in the park, man? He don't belong here. And then by the time the game is over, like, oh, okay, you can come back. <laughs> Coming tell out me, there like tell, Billy. Tell, 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 Billy tell, tell me, tell me, tell me about that. Like, you know, you from you from Brooklyn, you play high school ball in Manhattan, you you went to Harlem and the Bronx to play. And then, like you said, you a white kid walking up in there in the in the, in the hood park. Like, how how was that for you? And like you say, the satisfaction after you bust them up, you you know what I'm saying? Was it that Billy Hoyle feel where it's like, man, can this kid play? Then you get out there and you tune somebody. Like, how was, when you first, first, before, I mean, obviously at a certain point you get known. But when you first got out there, how was that for you? Yeah, it's like pressure. Felt pressure. Felt like, man, if I don't perform, I'm done. I can't come back. They ain't gonna let you play right. no more. You know? <laughs> and then, and, it, and you gotta do it every day, too. It's not just one day yeah. you're in, because that might be a fluke. And no back, you know, off, no. in the 70s and 80s, you know, Harlem was a little different than it is now. Now it's, you know, exactly. back, it's a renaissance again. But back then, you know, I played with some great, great players. Kenny Patterson, you remember him from DePaul? Kenny Patterson, yes, yeah. Yes, yes, he was yeah. nasty. Ed Pickney was on my team. Ed Pickney. Uh -huh. Pearl Washington. You know, we, we had a bunch of great players. But several times when I first started going up there, you know, if we played, like, say, 4 in the afternoon, it was getting a little dark, Ed Pickney would walk me to the train station to make sure mm. I got back in there. And then about, you know, a few games in, I was good to go. That was kind of hanging up there. Then after a while, I never left. That, that was like home right. for me. So, you know, you talk about pressure and, you know, whatever it be, college and NBA. That was the first time I felt some pressure to perform in a different mm -hmm. way, to get to be accepted, to gain your respect. But exactly, that's really what we did our whole careers, right? To me, the best um, form of accomplishment is the respect from your peers and your teammates. Man, exactly. All star man. games, all those other things that are voted on. But when you have the respect of your opponent and your teammates, that that's really what we play for. That's that's, that's the biggest better. thing. That's the biggest thing. Nothing like when, when the guys respect you, your brothers at arms, they yeah. they respect you. It's like, oh man, you you got it all. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to ask you about a player that uh, played with you at Gold State too. That was one of my favorite players, Marcelonis. Oh yeah. Uh, he was nice. Yeah, like Marcelona was nice. He's one of them guys that I used to play on the game with and do all that stuff. And he's one of the, the you know, the first guys come over here and, you know, do his thing. Yes. And, you know, have some success in this league. So how was that uh, when Marcelona came over and started playing with you guys? I'm glad you asked about him, Darius. I, I think he was the trailblazer. He was – there was other players before him, yeah. obviously after him, but I thought the first guy that came over and had a – 
big time role on a winning team and like carved out and he was an NBA player. Guys were coming and going back. Yep. Yeah. Staying for a little bit, not not making it. But Sharunas came over on a really good team. He was highly touted. Yeah. Everybody wanted Sharunas. And I mean, you, you should watch um there's there's a documentary called The Other Dream Team. You should check that out. Mm-hmm. Because in ni- 1988, Sharunas played for the Russian national team. Mm-hmm. And Probably half of that team was Lithuanian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah. yeah. So in 92, they gained their independence, and Sharunas put mm-hmm. that team together. He was the best player. He was the fundraiser. He was the he did everything. And they wound up getting a uh, bronze. One of the most amazing stories in sports. So they would do that. Oh, that's dope. 88, they won a goal for Russia. 92, they got the independence. But anyway, he was at that time with us. He might have been, he might have been the strongest guy in the NBA. Mm. Seriously. Mm. They said he was stronger than most. He had crazy, crazy hands. He would go down and not knock the ball. He would go to with two hands and just take it from people. Mm-hmm. We talked earlier about Scotty and Michael, how great they were. I remember one game. And Sharudis was one of those guys, a little bit like Bernard King. As an offensive player, he would punish you. He would hurt you because <laughs> he was so strong and just drive, always left. I remember, AKA Corey Maggetti. There you go. Hello. Hello. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but I remember we were playing the Bulls and Sharunas was shooting a free throw and I happened to be at half court with Michael and Scotty. And they're, they're like, man, you guard him, man. I'm not, I'm not trying to get banged up with this dude, man. He's rushing <laughs> over, man. But That's real. But one of the nicest guys in the world. Um, I've been over to Lithuania several times to visit him. But yeah, he, to me, he was a trailblazer. You know, he... Petrovich was on Portland, so he he didn't really explode till he got to New Jersey. Yeah, but Sharunas really, I thought, I thought was a trailblazer for the international players. And again, yeah, because of the respect, the guys respected him. He came over. Yeah, you know, back then mm-hmm. European players were they were shooters and they were soft. He was the opposite. Mm-hmm. He was a yeah, guy, right. and he was tough as now. Yeah, I remember when he came over. I just thought he fit in with y'all so well. Like, uh, he instantly started playing, playing good. He just, like, fit the team. <laughs> and think about that. So, 88, him and he, they beat Mitch's team in the gold medal, and we had both of them on our team the following year. Right. Yeah. Mm. Oh, that's dope. <laughs> tell, tell, tell me this. Tell me this. How close, if at all, were you to becoming a Nick? Because I see it say you signed, you know, you signed just your nine-year deal. I mean, Obviously, you weren't that close because you never became free. But did you ever, in your mind, I know, you know, we all, like, I'm from Chicago. I thought about it at some point, like, playing for the Bulls. Did you ever want to play with the Knicks prior to signing that, you know, your nine-year extension with the Warriors? Yeah, that summer, I had talks with them. I had thought I thought about it. Um, and back then, like I said, we didn't have that rookie scale. So I, I was on a four-year deal. And back then, to get you unrestricted free agents, they had something they called right of first refusal. So I played on my uh-huh. four-year deal. I would have had to play on a one-year deal and then become a free agent. So I would have had a right. – that was a risk. So I I was – I thought about it. We had some some conversations. Um, but I took the security. I was very – I had also gone through some stuff off the court. You know, I went to, to rehab and mm-hmm. really got my life together in the Bay Area. I had a really good support system here. I was happy on the court. Uh, had things figured out off the court. So it was more of, it was as much a basketball decision as it was a lifestyle decision. I'm still here. Yeah, so. in that conference zone. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You played on the dream team with Larry Bird and now you in Indiana playing for Larry Bird. 
Oh, you playing for Larry Bird. You got your guy Mark Jackson over there throwing his dimes and, you know, doing his shake. And you got one of the best shooters ever in Reggie Miller to play with. And uh, y'all a contender. Y'all was a, definitely a big contender in them, in them years. How was that to have Larry Bird as your coach and, you know, the Indiana and the team that y'all was playing for? It was awesome, man. That was um, the most low-maintenance team I ever played on. We had a, We had a bunch of vets. And that was by design. Larry was not trying to come in and coach, uh, you know, yeah. a rebuilding program. He he hand-selected his guys. And obviously, I knew Larry from the Olympics. Um, and Larry, took, you know, before he took the Pacer job, he was doing some stuff with the Celtics. I remember going in there, I think the year before he took the, Celt uh, the Pacer job, I saw him at the Boston Guard. We talked and, you know... I always stayed in contact with him. And then when he got the job, he gave me a shot. My, I had a year left on my deal. I was, I was renegotiating here with the Warriors and he got that job and, you know, he needed a small forward. So I was like, yo, I'm all in, man. That's, you know, that's one of my, one of my idols. And you talk right. about Mark Jackson, Reggie Miller, Rick Smith's Antonio Smith. Davis, Dale Davis, Derek Davis, Davis boys, Derek McKee, <laughs> Jalen Travis, Jaylen. Al Harrington, John Bender. Yeah. We had we had, a, we had a great team, man. So so that those three years, man, we, we went to two conference finals and NBA finals. You know, so with big time success, um, just just a bunch of pros: Sam Perkins, Mark West, yeah, yeah, yeah. and no, no, show up to work. Do your work. Larry Bird was as as transparent and straightforward as he as he played. He just kept it real simple. You know, he did. He only had a few rules: be on time, you know, share the ball, you know, play play hard. Very simple, man. He just kept it the, the way he played. Um, I think initially everyone was a little intimidated by him. You know what I mean? He was almost too quiet. You know, he was very, right. very compliant. I mean, did they get that clip when Reggie made that incredible game-winning shot? He just said like this. You mean when he <laughs> cheated? You mean when he cheated and he pushed MJ? Yes, that one. <laughs> yeah, that was a cheap play. I can literally tell you exactly where I was Q, when Q, that happened. Q, let it go, man. I was let so it go. pissed. Let, let it go. go. No, I will not. In the series. Let <laughs> it go. No, I, will. I don't care. Okay. I was at. I was at. I was at USA. Olympic trials for the what with 18, 7, whatever, whatever group. I was in my senior year, it was 98. We were in Colorado. I remember a lot of the guys there Colorado was guys. Oh, uh, Colorado Springs at the training facility. And I'll never forget. I'm telling you, know, me, I'm Chicago. I'm talking all type of noise to whoever want to listen. Bulls ain't losing. I'm used to this. Mike then won. Look, whenever Mike and Scotty that we gonna automatically win. We spoiled as Bulls fans. Like I thought the year they lost to the to the Magic, that was a he came back against the Pacers, and I was like, it don't matter. We winning. They the, he back and Scotty, we back. We won. We didn't do it, but then when they did that, I can remember. I, I don't remember who I was about to swing on somebody that day <laughs> at, at the Olympic trial. Fools talking mess with me. I'm like, they cheated. I don't care what nobody say. He pushed Mike, and they allowed, like Mike almost fell. Skinny ass Reggie Miller ain't about to get no push off on MJ and he go like that and it wasn't no real foul. I was wow so hot. I'll never forget that. I can remember being at the USA Olympic trials. But and that happened. Let me say he this went stuff. and bowed so, and bowed and half court. I wanted somebody to just cross check him. <laughs> but then we had game seven in Chicago and Scotty was hacking Mark Jackson the whole night. So they got his back. It all evened out. 
Yeah, man, listen, the best part about that <laughs> was when he said, hey, the championship still got to run through Chicago. So I, well, I knew Mike was pissed when he said it. I could see it in the interview, and I was like, we good. Two three-peats, three three man. You can't beat that. Hey, I'm spoiled. <laughs> uh, you, you from Brooklyn, home of the best two rappers ever, Jay-Z and Biggie. What was the first CD you bought with your own money? I mean, my, my playlist is as diverse as, <laughs> as my teammates across the board, dude. I got, I got, I go from 70. Rock. Yeah. Every 70s, day. I, I'm like that too. <laughs> Studio 54, classic vinyl. <laughs> um, rock the bells radio. You know, I'm, I'm down with everything, man. But, but, you know, growing up, I remember when I told you I played for Riverside, I used to meet the van on Saturdays on 125th and 2nd Ave, right in the middle of Harlem. And we get in a van, we go play in Brooklyn, Queens, we play up in Harlem, we, we take a van together. It was the first time my teammates had, the, you know, their box, you know, the big boom box yeah. with the cassettes. Mm-hmm. I'm like, damn, man, that's nasty. I like that. <laughs> but, but you couldn't hear on the radio. I only yeah. heard it, they only had, and they would like, make me a tape. I bring it back to my neighborhood, like, dude, what is that? Because it wasn't on the radio yet, yeah. believe it or not. It, you know, in the 70s. Can you imagine shooting 15, 17 three-pointers in one game? <laughs> when you play? The way these guys do now. I know you watch Steph <laughs> do it regularly. <laughs> Can you imagine getting them, them shots up like that? Like, I was telling them, like, back in the day, they God wouldn't even shoot that many threes in pickup ball. <laughs> yeah. Like, now to see them getting them off in the game, can you imagine you doing that? Well, that's that's like that's the biggest change in the game is the three point shot, yeah. the the, yeah. the the number of shots taken, and the and the players' ability to make them. You know, Steph, Clay, Dame, Dame Lillard, they're on a different level. Like th- those guys mm. are a whole different level. But the game itself, the spacing of the three point line, where, where guys play, you know, three and four feet behind a three point line to space the floor, uh, to be able to drive the you know drive the lanes and things like that. That's the biggest difference in, in the game of basketball. I think for the better, but I still think when there's a balance to it, you know, and, and ultimately the quality of three points. Now, if you can generate 50 quality three point shots, I say take them all. But mm. there's a fine line between just launching up threes and, you know, drawing, drawing, <laughs> well, drawing kick off double teams in the post, transition threes are always good. So finding the balance of both, I, I still, I still think. You know, an open 18-footer. That's my ringtone. <laughs> <Right up. laughs> you like that? Yeah, I like that. Brooklyn represents. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Uh, we'll put my wife on hold. Uh, yeah, so so the three-point shot's been... But, Generating those threes, getting quality shots. I think the teams that, that win the championship, they still have a good balance of threes, fast break points, points in the paint, free throws. Mm-hmm. Just to, to, to put a timeline on my, my college career, we played no shot clock, no three-point line. That's almost a different sport. Mm-hmm. You was putting up yeah. a dub without any of that. So, it just, mm-hmm. But also it's a slow pace. You know, we might run three, three plays to get a – get the shot we wanted so yeah. the game has changed but you know to me you know you look at the guys you know they can make them man they practice them yeah. they can make them the one thing I did that i 
See, the Warriors play different. They, they play Steph moves without the ball. You know, he's perpetual motion and, and, you know, he can play with it, play without it. But that cookie cutter offense where you run high pick and roll with two corner threes, that offense puts the defense in his zone, right? So yeah. you got mm-hmm. two deep corner threes, you got the high pick and roll, you're basically putting the defense in elbows and boxes, which is really yeah. a zone, right? So basically two three, you're in a two three. Right. So so <laughs> so finding the bat, of course you want to shoot these, but I think you know, like the Warriors do a good job of it. Um, San Antonio's always been pretty the the, the balance of motion with you know trying to find your three point shots, I guess. But again, I think you know. Shit. Your original question, Darius, I'd love to shoot 15 threes again. Yeah. <laughs> this question I like to ask, OG. Like you from Brooklyn, you from the BK, you know, humble beginners and stuff like that. When you first first started to get that bread, now I ain't talking about, you know, you took care of your fam, you got a house, you did this. What did what did Chris Mully do? To treat himself, something that you look back on, like got that money. I probably should have <laughs> did that, but it felt damn good at the time as a young <laughs> fella to be able to go out there and do this. I want to hear, I want to hear something foolish, man. What did you do, OG? <laughs> what did you do to treat yourself? Right after, I know it was right after you went and got the, you know, you got the the good shape up and the fade and everything. <laughs> then you went ahead and had your way. Well, what what did you do? I mean, it took me a while. But- my first two years in the league, I was still living in Brooklyn at my at my family's house. And my my parents, they okay. wouldn't leave. They didn't want to leave. Mm. Um, I finally bought a house on Long Island. Mm, okay. okay, out in LA. First, that was the first thing I really, you know, I bought a house locally, but, it, you know, I needed that. And, and my, and my right. car, stuff I needed. That was the first, so, so to have two houses was big for me, like. Right, a house on the yeah. west coast and a house on the east. Two different states. That's ball, man. You know what I mean? So that, that was like <laughs> west coast, man. That, that was unheard of, man. We we yeah. barely. <laughs> so yeah, so it was is that it was the house to, to have space and you know have a pool and you know like that. So and have you know walk out in the backyard if you don't want to you know put clothes on you didn't have to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I got my own. I got some acreage. I can, you know I, what I can go to the backyard and go to the bathroom, man. No one's gonna say anything. <laughs> Look, hey, that's what my privacy buys me. I fuck this privacy do whatever I want back here. I like that. All right, man, that's been a wrap, man. We had a great time chopping it up with this legend right here, man. Mully, we appreciate you for pulling up on the young kids. Knuckleheads in the building, y'all. Be mild. You, my pleasure, man. Oh, yes, man. Appreciate sir. you, OG. Proud of you guys, man. Keep up the good work. Thank y'all for your continued support of the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to give us two taps by writing a review and rating five stars wherever you get your podcast. And make sure to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. You can also find all the episodes on the Players Tribune YouTube page. Follow us on social media at Knuckleheads Podcast and join our Knuckleheads Facebook group for exclusive content. Thanks again to all of our guests and fans. This wouldn't be possible without y'all. The Players Tribune.com.